And welcome to another episode of the Rice and Mike's podcast. I'm your host, Tung Nguyen. And today I'm joined on this episode by a very old uni friend of mine. His name is Gotham. Gotham, how are you going today? Hey, Tung, how are you going? I'm going pretty well today. G'day, g'day. <laughs> Doing pretty well. So, me and Gotham go a little back to uni. We didn't really know each other too much. We met through a mutual friend. His name's Jimmy. And was it during like finals week I bumped into you? Um, it was around April 2018. I checked the Facebook um, interactions what? and friendship. I wasn't sure if you met before or after my exchange. So we thought, I thought I'd give it a check. So we were in our midterms, I think, in 2018 in our fourth year, fourth year university, probably sitting around in the library what, studying. What is this? Is like exact GPS coordinates when we first talked to each other. Chances are it was around that point. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. my God did my research on this one but yeah so we kind of caught up there probably hung around we had a few mutual friends um one of them being jimmy who's my first uni friend and i think jimmy lives near you as well yeah he's one of my school friends so. yeah you both live next to your high school as high school as well right yeah he's, he's pretty much on the other side yeah yeah when i first met gotham i didn't know how to pronounce his name i think jimmy said he used to call you gordon yeah so my name initially people kept t- saying gotham gotham I had no clue how to say it. And I guess because I know named after Buddha, uh, Gotham Siddhartha, like either say Gotham in Australia and I guess English language. It's kind of stuck with Gotham for my entire life and no one picked it up because there's no H in my name. Yeah, that's a bit off-putting. Like I yeah. couldn't, it threw me off. Um, but yeah, my nicknames go by GB, Goat. I guess they're kind of the two Oh, ones. okay. Yeah. We can go with that. <laughs> um, it's been stuck around for years now. And I guess there's no, you, can't, you can't shake a nickname, can you? Yeah, not, not really. But how do your parents pronounce it then? Uh, Gotham. That's pretty much the same. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> a bit less of a TH sound. But Say honest, it again? Like Gotham. That just sounds the same to me. Yeah. It's, like, <laughs> yeah. it's no, more of an A-U rather than O. But yeah, not the point. <laughs> <laughs> so why have I brought in Gotham in today? When we were studying, Gotham did disappear mysteriously for, was it six months? Six months exactly to the day. Yeah. Yeah. One semester, Gotham disappeared mysteriously and we were wondering where the hell did he run off to? So, he actually went to study abroad in Amsterdam. That's correct. Which I think studying abroad is something that should be highlighted more and it's good to hear experiences from people that have been there. But let's start with a bit more of the background information. So... Let's talk a bit about Gotham. Who is he? Who is this man that's sitting here and you're listening to on your drive right now? So, I guess, similar to Tong, studied finance. I think you didn't do finance, did you? You did. IT. IT, yeah. Yeah. So, same university. I did finance economics. So, I guess as a business student, you, you don't really go to university much. We shouldn't be there more than two days a week. I was an exception going there almost six days a week just to study for something I don't need to study for, to be honest. Wait, what was that? I was just studying a lot for no reason um, <laughs> university. I think I saw a social aspect behind it as opposed to an actual need to study. Um, so as a result, I had a lot of friends on campus. And of course, when you have a lot of friends on campus, what do you do? So I disappear for a bit and go overseas. So I was also part of society groups and business society was one of my main ones. And I was vice president over there. And that's also how I met Tung. 
through societies. Um, he was part of Bargain Hunters at the time, I believe. Macquarie Uni Bargain Hunters. Never yeah. got affiliated, but we were society, society had a group on Facebook. <laughs> I was a big follower. Um, and you repost all the Ozbargain Ozbargain links. <laughs> so yeah, moving on from there, I decided to go on exchange for six months after my sister came back from hers the previous year. Um, we went to go visit her when she was overseas. Um, so we went to Europe for the full family for a trip away for six weeks. I think it was something like that. Um, we did a whole bus trip around Europe as well as two more weeks in London afterwards. And at that point, I realized I need to go back here again and just live here for a bit to understand. I want to actually move here. You always, you always kind of want to know, would life be better over there versus where I am right now? Long story, Sydney is probably the best place to be in the world after being to quite a few cities, but we'll get to that later. So where was your sister studying at the time when you met, her, met up with her? Okay, so she was actually studying in Utrecht, which was a... Where, sorry? Utrecht. It's 20 minutes southwest of Amsterdam. Utrecht. Yeah. U-T-R-E-C-H-T. Right. And did, did you go to the same place as well? I went to Amsterdam, University of Amsterdam. So it's actually very close. Just takes about half an hour to get to by train. We went to very similar areas, similar kind of cultures, both in the same kind of city or same province, you could call it. So I guess UNSW and WSU for Sydney siders as a kind of context. Okay, well, let's, let's dial back and go back to the origin. Yeah. So it wasn't through like university advertising that you chose to study abroad because of your sister? I had a couple of mates before me go as well and they went to Europe as well and they told me about their stories. So that was a big influence for me to go. What kind of stories enticed you? Uh-huh. I mean, Amsterdam is known as the... Pretty yeah. um, legal activities that aren't legal here. So for me, <laughs> I, w- I wanted to go to Netherlands for that main reason, I guess. Uh, at the time, I was very into music festivals, live music. All right. So we know what you're doing there. Yeah. That was my main kind of reason to go to Netherlands. I had picked Utrecht. My sister went, Amsterdam and Berlin as my three universities to go to. And of course, those three universities are well known for their party cultures. What kind of music is this? For context, hardstyle, trance, the typical basic LB, LG culture music. Oh my god, you are that guy. I was that guy. <laughs> Maybe still am. What still is it called? Uh, Tony Nguyen or something? Or uh, what's the term? It's like the typical LB guy. There's a name that they use. There's a guy at my gym who we call this name. Uh, <laughs> what is it? It's escaping me. Like Kevin Nguyen. Kevin Nguyen, yeah, that's, that's it. it. Yeah, so typical Kevin Nguyen music. So that's my main goal of going to all the festivals when I was over there. And I went to pretty much every festival I could get my, my hands off for tickets. You went to a lot of festivals. It was a six-month period. How many did you go to? I had a spreadsheet where I was about 16 or 17. 16 festivals is a lot of festivals. So there was one weekend where we went to four festivals in the span of eight days over two different cities. And after that, I kind of looked in the mirror. I said, I need to stop. This is enough. That's um, insane, man. We'll go into that. So... While I was in Netherlands, I also did a lot of traveling throughout Europe. So I was able to visit about 15 cities. 15 cities. Yeah, I think a lot of people do choose Europe as a destination because, yeah, you can travel a lot to a lot of places um, during your downtime. So was that what you had in mind when you first uh, signed up? Pretty much. I wanted to go to as many cities as possible. My sister was also in Rome as well at the same time I was there. She was doing some law placement activity. So I got to visit her while I was there for a week over Christmas and every other week, a different city every week, essentially. And yeah, so you see like London on one weekend, next weekend you go to Berlin, weekend after that you go to Munich 
And oh, it was, it was every week. I thought you went like during like your break or something. No. You just went during a weekend. Weekend, week, yeah. So the way it works over there, so in Sydney, you do four units at the same time. Over there, you do one unit over a six-week period and then you switch to the next unit and the next unit, next unit. So you have, oh. you have two classes a week. Oh, it's pretty easy then. One is optional and on- online. Oh, no. So you can imagine I've gone from a life where I was at university every single day with my friends to suddenly being on my own in a studio in a foreign city. So it it did get quite lonely and boring at times. In your head beforehand, before you go exchange, you're so focused on the idea you're going to have this is the best time of your life. It's going to be amazing. You're going to have so much fun. Then no one tells you about the times you're going to sit there in your room and just look at the clock and wait for the clock to go away. You know, or for the next day to start essentially because all you're doing is waking up, going to the gym and then seeing the same two friends who live next to you. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was, I was wondering what the housing was going to be like. So you live pretty much with a bunch of exchange students. Unfortunately, not even exchange students. So the housing arrangements over there, it worked in a different way to what I was in Australia. So in Australia, you have everyone in one kind of share house. In Amsterdam, what they had was a apartment full, full of studios. So in those studios, you have students from all over Europe, mainly doing their Erasmus or studying abroad, essentially. for the a whole what? Erasmus? Erasmus. That's what, what the Europeans call it. It's the exchange. Oh. So research for Erasmus online, you find everyone kind of has a Erasmus student union where they talk about their Erasmus stories, which we, have our, which we call exchange in Australia. The difference between here and there was you're on your own in a studio for the whole time. There's no shared accommodation, so there's no shared kitchens, shared bathrooms. It's just your own space, your own door, which was a downside if you ever lost your keys like I did, which cost 600 euros to fix up in the end. What? The lost keys? One lost keys, yep. So you can imagine as well, it was not a very ideal place to be on your own considering you've come across the world and you have no one really to talk to other than your, your closest friend is half an hour away by train. Or maybe a phone call away. It's not too bad in the modern world, modern day. But it's still pretty far and you're kind of your own for a lot of the time. So you kind of find you find ways to kind of entertain yourself a lot of the time. I want to go back to before you travel. So you picked Amsterdam. Like, how did you do that? You just go to uni and be like, I want to do a semester here. How does it work? So I actually saw on Facebook, the university was advertising the exchange program. And I searched up where my GPA would get me. Gave me three universities in the areas I wanted to go to. So you pick three universities. So I chose Berlin, Utrecht, and Amsterdam. I got Amsterdam. That was my third choice. I didn't think GPA would be a big factor in what uni you can go to. So from Macquarie, I think Berlin was one of the highest GPAs. So I think you have to get a 3.8 GPA or higher out of four. Oh, yeah. We're on the four-point system. Yeah. yeah. And then I think Utrecht was also around 3.2, something like that. So yeah, uh, you could get into... I think you need two, over 2.0 GPA to get to exchange anywhere. Oh, yeah, which is like a non-fail. Pretty much anyone, yeah. If you haven't failed <laughs> half a unit, you're good to go. Oh, so, you, well, you were studying a lot of the time, so I'm assuming your GPA would have been pretty high. Uh, at the time, no, because I had two <laughs> fails beforehand. I think my first semester at university ever, I didn't really value or understand how much I had to study or actually apply myself to get through. And also doing pretty hard courses in terms of advanced math. Mm, yeah, I think a lot of people can relate that yeah, uni is completely different to high school. <laughs> I think not having someone tell you something's due and yeah. you kind of just float through. You can get you can fall between the cracks pretty easily. It's a bit of a wake-up call to being an adult. Yes. 
<laughs> I, I felt the same. Um, I pretty much failed some units as well. So when you chose Amsterdam, how did you choose what units to do? So once again, I looked at, I had a lot of electives and every degree you do in Macquarie University, you have quite a few electives you can choose. And so I used three of my electives up on exchange and then I chose one economic unit, which was microeconomics too, which I'd just done in Sydney before leaving. So I did the same course twice in two semesters as Canada, something different because you need for, for, sorry, for economics, you need to choose two different 200 level units. And I did the same one for both of them as a kind of loophole in the system. Wait, what? Why'd you do the same course twice? Wouldn't it just count as one unit? Because there's two different there's economics and applied economics. I fell in the crack. I said the economics course was applied economics and I was able to push that through as a secondary unit. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> Not really. So, so you, you were able to do the same course twice and it counted? Yes. So you just did the same assignment, same work? It was different assignments, but it was the same theory. So I had all my notes from the previous semester, uh, just part of a different exam. Funnily enough, that'd be the only course I passed on exchange. The other three, <laughs> I did manage to fail somehow. What were your other three units that you chose, the electives? So they were completely unrelated to my degree and they were learning how to code through Java. Not too bad. That was probably the hardest. I got eight out of 100 for that course. Okay, good effort. I tried. <laughs> um, I did two HR units, which were in regards to, I think one marketing and one HR unit. So the HR unit was mainly to do about how to deal with management in a workplace. Pretty straightforward, but I failed the final exam and everything's double pass. Oh, that's annoying. So the system over there is actually quite different to what we have in Australia. In Australia, there's no double pass system. Oh, we have it for IT. Oh, really? Some some units. Oh, okay. So yeah. yeah, double pass is essentially, even if you're, let's say you got 100% on all the other work and you've only got the final exam left, you need to get a pass in the final exam as well to be able to pass the unit, regardless of how many other marks you have. Yeah, that's exactly what happened to me for the HR unit, 100% throughout, and then I got 40% in the final, even though I studied pretty hard for it. 40? Funny enough, I went to the guy to complain and say, hey, can I get this remarked or do a reset? And he said, come back to Amsterdam in April. It's a nice place to be. And at the time, after all that traveling and partying and just you know being on your own for six months, I had maybe ten dollars in my account when I got back to Sydney. What the fuck? You couldn't even get into the airport on, on Opal. I had just off my Opal card beforehand, thankfully. <laughs> <laughs> so I got I got picked, I think I picked up as well, but from, from the airport for my parents. Yeah, thankfully that was a godsend because I had no money. Right. So um, <laughs> so let's go back. So it was the Java unit. Yeah. What was the second one? Uh, marketing. Marketing and HR, HR was the yeah. last one. Okay. What's the primary language in Amsterdam? The local language is Dutch, but everyone over there speaks English to a high level. I see. The whole schooling system is done in English, so they can talk English as well as anyone else from, say, Australia. Downside is when they're together, they talk to each other in Dutch. Uh, so I was going to classes with lectures being taught in Dutch, and I had no clue what was going on. Was that for all the units? Uh, for IT, for Java. Oh, for Java. So everything else is English. Everything else is English, but I don't go to classes. So I tried to try to learn Java on my own and did not go down well at all. You can imagine there's zero motivation. And the thing is, if you go and come back, so if you come back and you fail one unit, you keep your scholarship. If you fail more than one unit, 
you pay back the one and a half K scholarship to the university. Oh, you had a scholarship. Everyone gets scholarship. It's part of the oh, no. exchange kind of idea. So you get one and a half K scholarship kind of pays for your effort to wherever you Yeah, go. it's like some um, money waived. And yeah, I came back and I had to pay that after being with $10 in my account. So yeah, that was the most toughest part of exchange. I think was coming back and adjusting back to reality of what Australia was like. Such as a broke 21 year old, 22 year old. motivation. Like, do you have to find work as soon as you came back? Yes, but I couldn't for a while. I think I was unemployed for almost a year when I came back from exchange. Oh, shit. Well, um, is that like interest of a pay on the, the debt? Well, no. So I worked odd jobs here and there, but there's no constant stream of income for almost a year. So I'd be doing like random roles from UC on Gumtree, like data entry work for some random companies. Yeah, contract work. Yeah, yeah, so very short term, like, here's a one-week project, can you get this done? Even driving around, doing things to people. It was this very, like, short-term, short, sharp cash pay for a whole year, which kind of got me through. And eventually you paid it back? Yeah, I paid it back, and there was no interest. I put them off for six months, didn't reply to any emails, emails for six months, and then finally had the money and paid them back. So that was a pretty rough period of my life. Did you uh, go exchange during your first year uni or second? My third year university. So 2017 to 18. But it's a three-year degree, right? Your Four years. But I took... Have you seen that meme where it's like, don't go to university. It'll be the best four years of your life. Studying JK's, a th- three years. Six years. <laughs> no, never mind. Eight years. <laughs> it's like when you're four years in on your three-year degree with two years left. <laughs> it's like, come on. Got to get your head in the game, man. It was... Yeah, harsh reality. I think it's a five-year degree for me to do four years. Everyone has their pace. I, I was pretty slow on mine. I think everyone stayed back at university afterwards. They kind of enjoyed themselves a bit more. There was no rush. You partied a bit more, didn't you? With your society. So you were in um, Macquarie Uni Business Society, MUBS. Yep. Were you in any, any others? No, that was the only one I was part of. I was part of ECFS, so Economics, Commerce, Finance Society beforehand. And we changed that into mobs as it is today mm. so myself and two others took over the society and kind of just rebranded it entirely over the summer came back and suddenly a business society is more appealing than four random letters yeah it did sound a lot better engagement was through the roof it's insane we came back the previous year we were, we were part of O week no one came to our stall suddenly we had a line going one end of the quad to the other and we couldn't keep up not enough staff to take all the membership forms Oh, wow. So, you were pretty hot then. Yeah, the hot shot. Yeah, yeah. We uh, did the rounds, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you put that on your resume? Yeah. So, I showed... Or your LinkedIn? LinkedIn, I think it's not there, but resume, it was there in front of volunteering. Had an interview today, actually, for some consulting group, and we talked about it briefly. Oh, yeah? What'd they ask? Just what you do, experiences, looking back on it, any take-home lessons... Yeah, you, can, you can go into a lot of detail with this kind of thing. You can, yeah. Because you spend a whole semester, sorry, a whole summer working on this every day, looking at like logos, hiring, team structure. And marketing techniques and stuff. And this is entirely new to you as well. You're, you're, your idea of marketing is like your knowledge is zero and all of a sudden you're going to shit when you get this thing like off the road in time for a deadline in like four weeks before a week hits. Yeah. Well, you were lucky you were able to get a stall in a week. Yeah, I got rejected. Actually, they never got back to me. It's still pending. Oh yeah, I had to email them again, and they were like, "Oh, um, yeah, there's no space to do your presentation on bargains." And I was like, "Okay, well, disappointing." It's okay. Fuck you, Macquarie. 
work. I hate that. It's interesting though. The university still hasn't gone back to us in regards to a graduation ceremony. Oh, you didn't get yours yet? No. Have you had yours? Yeah, I had mine. I was the last group before COVID hit. Oh. I was really lucky. God damn. I've seen all the new kids get graduated already who finished like very recently. Oh, they did? Yeah, yeah. I've yeah, seen pictures on Facebook. Right. And I'm like, wow, I finished two years ago and I haven't put any set date for a graduation yet. There's just emails of, are you interested still? <laughs> They're just trying to stall it. Yeah. So like, you get one. God damn, I waited two years. There's, of course, I'm interested. <laughs> it feels good. I'll tell you that. You can you can learn off me. Or going it's around, taking nice photos. Yeah. yeah. And then you do the, the infamous hat toss at the lake. With, with a boomerang as well. Boomerang on Instagram. Classic. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're going on a bit of a tangent here with Unilife. So, in Amsterdam, with the accommodation, is that something that you pick or is that what the uni decides on? So, I got unlucky actually with this. The system went down as I was trying to log in to pick a system. Sorry, to pick a accommodation. And as a result, I was given the most expensive and the shittiest place, which was the furthest from university. So I understand where the city, I think people know there's no cars, or there's very few cars. To run a car is pretty expensive though. So you have your own bike, which you ride around everywhere. So it's also one of the wettest cities in the world. Oh, nice. So you have a bike to get around and it's really wet and you're not far, you're pretty far from where you have to go. Was a seven and a half, eight kilometer ride from my university to my dorm. How long does that take? About 35 minutes. 35? Is that with you pedaling pretty hard? That was a leisurely pace. A leisurely uh, pace. I don't want to come. The thing is, you pedal too hard. You come to university all sweaty and it's the last thing you want. Yeah, it's good. You just spend 10 minutes of your day doing your hair beforehand and all of a sudden it's just a mess. You didn't go with anyone? No, because I had no friends to go with. Well, who was in that place with you? It was other people from other countries. Yeah. So I ended up leaving the place with four friends. One guy from Melbourne, one guy from Poland, one guy from France and one guy from India. Um, the four of us, well, I say four, the Melbourne guy didn't hang out with us that much, but the four of us initially, we used to meet up and play PlayStation under the typical, I guess, stoner things. Was it FIFA? FIFA, NBA 2K, those kind of games. Sports, Sports. classic. Yeah, as you do with people you don't really know that well. And that kind of morphed into a better relationship where we'd meet up every night at two, three in the morning, watch NBA games, watch Chelsea FC games, and we support our own teams. And for me, it was very interesting seeing kind of alternate universe because I've my entire life I've been a very big football fan, but never followed any other sport. Seeing someone follow a NBA team, the same level I follow a football team, it was kind of nice to see people with that much passion still going around. So it was, it was actually quite interesting and just seeing more perspectives of life because I think we live in a country which is the other side of the world. For most people, like most of the action happens in Europe and America, mm. so we don't get to see much action live as it is in terms of sport. People will get up over there still two or three in the morning to watch these games for team ball and FOC live in their life. Have you been to a live football match? When I was in London, I went to Chelsea versus Manchester United game. Oh, nice. Um, sent me back about $300 for the shittest seat I've been to ever. Can you sports. see anything? I uh, couldn't see quarter of the pitch, put it that way. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> 300 though. Uh, you have to go once in a once in a lifetime. I've, I've been meaning to, it is on my bucket list. And you end up going to the, to the club store as well beforehand. Mm. And another 100 bucks gone in merchandise. Oh, what? Just, just for like a shirt? Like a jersey? Scarf, hat, jacket. <laughs> Was that total? Because that's not bad. That's, that's I've been there twice now and blown $100 each time. 100 euros? Or eight dollars, euros? dollars, dollars. Yeah. That's, that's not bad. It's, not it's bad. okay. 
the scarf and the hat is a combo. I think it was for like fifty dollars. I'd, I'd probably get something like that. Yeah. yeah. So with these guys, do you still keep in touch? So I was actually in Melbourne last month and met up with the guy from Melbourne. The other two, so the Polish guy and the French guy, we send Snapchats, Instagram stories to each other still. Uh, we chat football, chat basketball, whatever's happening. If we're watching a game together like, at the same time, we'll... Or just jump on FaceTime or something. Yeah, just jump on FaceTime or Instagram Live or, just, or like, FaceTime, yeah, pretty much call each other and just chat for maybe yeah, five, ten minutes. Call, yeah. And there's not even my friends, uh, there's people I met through my friends from Sydney who were there at the same time with me. So there's one guy called Harrison. He was some guy from Bristol in the UK. And he essentially a mirror image of myself, which was very interesting. He would be able to talk for hours about nothing and we'd get along like we've been friends for our entire life. <laughs> so if, if your whole mind opens up to the idea that's more than just you, you're not that unique in a, without being like sad about it, but you're not that unique as a person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, it's an interesting perspective. Wait, you were just in Melbourne. Yes, I was in Melbourne with some of my friends from, I don't know, tutoring. Are you guess. supposed to be self-isolating right now? No, this is before the whole lockdown. Okay, because someone else we know is currently in like house lockdown. I went at the very start of the month. Yeah, side of April. Ah, oh, so you're lucky then. Yeah. Damn, I want to go. Cheap flights, you get it for cheap, 40 bucks. We actually got our tickets shattered for us by one of our friends. He had excess travel credits from an ex-girlfriend. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> another story. <laughs> another story. Not really relevant. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Interesting. Okay. So, you met up with these guys. What other activities did you do when you were overseas? So that was a strange part for me, actually. Because in Sydney, I have a very busy lifestyle. Every day, something to do. You know, it's just it booked this podcast. It was two weeks in advance to find some time to do it. Over there was the first time in my life I've had actual days where nothing's happening. I'd be looking for something to do and there's nothing going on. And like, you can always go out, but things as in a city like Amsterdam, which is very touristy, everything you do is going to cost you at least $50 on a night out just to be present. Or well, so, like to get into a club or something? Club entry, even just going for a place to eat, you're paying 20 euros for just a regular bowl of food, just $30 or so. Are you sure you're just not going into like these tourist trap areas? No, the whole city is very expensive. To get cheaper areas, you have to go out of the city, which is like a, an hour bike ride. Okay, it's not worth it. Yeah. With these friends, what we do as well was a lot of just card games, I guess. Um, we never traveled together, unfortunately, but you, you kind of be there for each other whenever you need it. We'd cook together, we'd eat together. So it's like kind of having your own family abroad. And that's where they came, like you're essentially your brothers because you can just sit there and chat about anything you have on your mind. You know, send screenshots, send, send texts, send like random memes too. As what, what it came down to, like modern day friendships. Yeah, yeah. Um, so with really traveling abroad, I guess the best benefit would be to just be able to visit neighboring areas at least. At least from where you, you stayed. Yeah, so that's actually part of why I chose Amsterdam, thinking about it. Because there's so many flights everywhere. It's pretty very central to all of Europe. Oh, you flew, you didn't train it? Because I heard training's actually... Not too bad in Europe. Uh, I didn't take a train once. I took some buses because mm. buses were cheapest. But as a relatively large human, I don't fit in buses very well. How, what was the price comparison for like a bus fare comparison to an air flight? Let's say about 60%. It's not bad. I'd cop a bus fare. It's worth it. I'm a small a true, guy. True Osbagner. I think <laughs> it's a uh, real Wagen hunter. How long did it take though? The, the, the time difference. Okay. So say I uh, took a bus to Berlin. 
that was a nine or 10 hour journey versus a two hour flight, hour and a half flight. I guess it's not bad if you do an overnight bus, if they do that. Yeah, there's overnight buses, but you can't sleep because it's cramped bus stops for driver changes, whatnot. So it's not ideal. Okay, I'll be sure to avoid it next time yeah. I'm in Amsterdam. I think if you're going to travel around Europe, generally all you want to do is just take flights or if you can afford it, trains. Are trains cheaper? Trains are more expensive than flights. Because oh, I guess it's more scenic, right? Mm. And I guess more infrastructure is needed for a train because you're going through the tra- going through the ground. There's be track work maintained. Oh, okay. The countryside. Yeah. Air, airway. Don't need to maintain some airflow. Airway. I feel like it'd be a good experience to do a train. But how much more expensive can it be? I think it was from a, a train from Paris to Amsterdam was about 50 euros versus a flight of 30 euros versus a bus of, I think, 15 euros. Wait, that's not even that bad. A flight for 50 euros. 30 euros. Sorry, 30. A train for 50. So 30 euros is equivalent to about $47.30. Yep. A year. It's about the same as a I'll bus. I'll just take a flight. That's like what we have for sale right now for like Sydney to Melbourne right now. It's $40 with Jetstar. Yep. A bus to, Mel- to Canberra from Sydney is $40 for comparison. So we have it pretty bad in Australia in terms of travel. Yeah, so we have a very big sparse population here. Whereas over there is very concentrated. Yeah, so I was expecting like 100, 150. So that's one way, right? One way. One yeah. way. Yeah, that there's heaps of more value in that compared. Like you're only using like what two hours of your time in comparison to ten. That's correct. Yeah. Rather than saving, like I'd spend the extra fifteen bucks on that okay. for a flight as opposed to a train, yeah, right? like like a bus, a bus, a bus. Yeah, a train would be a different experience. I'd probably do it with, between like maybe two different countries that might have some more scenic routes. I don't know, like Germany or something. Yeah, through Switzerland, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be a better idea. But yeah, there's no way I'd save money on that just to, yeah. I think you gotta do it at least once just to understand how painful it is. Uh, I mean, maybe not an eight-hour bus ride. Maybe one that's like six or at the most, yeah. four hours. That's probably doable. It's not bad. Yeah, so did you mingle with people on campus? Was everyone kind of like pretty reserved in their own group? Yeah. So the weird thing about camps over there was we've grown up on a campus, which is so bloody big. We have fields just for fun, just because the university owns it. Over there, I was on a campus, which was like similar to UTS main building. It was 13 stories high and like just a building. So just one building. That was the whole campus. One building and a beach volleyball court in the middle of Amsterdam, which was even usable nine months a year. What the fuck? And a lot of bike parking. So it was, it was quite strange to go to a place like that where these people don't really mingle because they're their own groups. You can imagine as an exchange student coming to Australia, unless you go to an exchange student event, you're not going to make many friends unless you're in class. Yeah, I get what you mean. Like thinking about it now, even we don't talk to people that are from exchange. We don't go out of our way to. Yeah, like for us, it's, we're going, it's a lot of effort for us to meet, meet new people who aren't our friends. You go there, you have enough kind of, you only have X amount of time with your friends every week. Do you want to invest it in some random person who could be... He's going to be gone in like six months. An absolute weirdo as well. Like we've had experiences with some weird people on campus who just joined our group. All right. So when was that again? When you went on exchange? 2017. Came back early 2018. So it's about four years. Okay. So... What were your takeaways from that after failing 75% of your units? Takeaways from after failing more than half my units, unfortunately, was... It's the first time, wasn't it? 
yeah, first time I failed that many units in a semester. And that was actually my last ever fails I've ever had. It was kind of get my ass into gear, um, realizing how important it is to actually have like good grades at university. Um, you know, you can have, you can go through university and kind of dick around all you want, but you're there for a reason. And that was the first time I realized I am there for a reason to get like a job after university. There's no point going to uni and leaving without a proper like transcript, you call it, I guess. Yeah. Or even just your GPA. Yeah. Did your employees even look at that much? Because mine's not that great. Mine have not looked at it once. Yeah, see? It's fake. So then listen to Gotham. Fuck your GPA. Go party at Amsterdam like you did. To be fair, none of the fails counted to my, towards my GPA. What? Not a single one in my transcript. Why? Just didn't show up. You broke the system. I broke the system. <laughs> I got lucky. First, you, you, you fucked around with it by doing the same unit twice. And now you just get three fails that don't show up. Pretty much, yeah, 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 yeah. Have you looked at your bachelor's? They give you a PDF. I saw my final transcript when I, when I graduated and it wasn't there. GPA wasn't affected. I did a whole calculation. I thought it'd be much lower than it was, but yeah, it did not get touched. Oh, you didn't remind them as well? Hey, uh, you guys forgot to count three fails in. You want to adjust that? I think we'll find out when I graduate finally. But until then, no one has to know. That PDF is still official though, so yeah. you can just use that and no one's going to check. Pretty much, pretty much. So not bad, but not everyone's going to be as lucky as you. So, you know, what are the other takeaways? Our takeaways would be you kind of learn how to be who you are as a person. Oh, um, so that's the typical Europe trip. You got to find yourself kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But not as cliche as it sounds. It's more so how to handle yourself in a completely unfamiliar environment. You know, you've been tossed into the deep end here suddenly and you got to fend for yourself. And rather than kind of being calm at all times, you're now suddenly thinking, you're looking everywhere, left, right and center. You know, you look out for your back, you look out for anything dangerous. And at the time, Europe was in a hotspot for like terrorist bombings. The year before I was there, um, there was a bombing in Nice. I left Nice literally the same morning that the attack happened. And so I was uh, very cautious in regards to, I could get involved in a terrorist attack here. So you always, you you got like eyes looking left, right and center. You always vision, your vision's going everywhere. You're concerned for your safety at all times. And kind of living with that concern. And not only that, being able, not being open to approaching people you don't know. So you're lost, you need help with maps. Being able to ask someone, hey, I need you out of this area. How can I get out? And even being open to talking to Uber drivers about anything. You know what? Uh, like, uh, how long have you been doing Uber for, mate? <laughs> Busy night, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and when did you start? <laughs> you like, like driving for Uber? <laughs> the classic. Classic. Yeah. No, I started, of course, with that. And then you kind of, they kind of pick up your accent. And what you realize we were there as well is everyone knows you're Australian just from, just from the way you talk. In Australia, you don't know what Australian accent sounds oh, yeah. like. What, a lot of slang? A lot of slang. And just the way you pronounce your words is very Australian. You know, you see Natalie Tran on YouTube versus like, say someone from Wong Fu. You can tell oh, Natalie yeah. is Australian straight away from the way she talks. Yeah, 100%. But you hear the American YouTubers talk and you wouldn't even tell until you hear an Amer- Australian with them. Does it feel like American accent is like the default? For English around the world? Yeah, I feel Yes, like. unfortunately. And it, it really shouldn't be. Due to like media, movies and stuff? I think America just has the biggest pull for anywhere in the world. America has so many... They encourage the creative side of the world, I guess. And that's come down to a lot of LA and Hollywood movies. People want to make it in Hollywood because that's where all the fame is, right? Yeah, I suppose. So suddenly all the Americans are pushing and they're creating so much content for everyone to see and they become like the face of the world. Yeah, Wong Fu is a classic. Can't go wrong with that. Still watch the videos on repeat quite a bit still. What, they're old ones? 
old ones, new ones, whatever comes out, I'll watch it. Yeah, they got smart ones. Yeah. I think they kind of like a gateway to some Asian actors as well. Definitely. Some of them. I found a recent podcast called Unwind uh, with Glenn Kwan and some other guy. I can't remember his name. It's his, he's the main um, host of it. But they talk about the most ridiculous shit. They're going to tangents left, right and center. This is another tangent, actually. We're on a big tangent here. Yeah. You're advertising another podcast on here? Other competition? No affiliate linking. Sorry. Come on. You can't do that here. They're American. Different different markets. Anyway, anyway going, going back. <laughs> yeah. Going back. So, yeah, people picked up your accent and... Um, you have to be able to kind of... What else was there? I understand that they only have a very like small idea of what Australia is and you're not representing the whole country without it being a big deal. Like, you are what they remember about Australians the way you treat them, the way you talk, the way you act. It's a bit of pressure on yourself to not be a dickhead. It's like what people say when you're out on a school excursion. It's like, you're representing yeah. the school guys, so make sure you're on your best behavior. It is, That's, very, is that it how is you felt? Very like? much like that. Yeah, because all of a sudden people are going to be like, hey, why are you... Like, I, was at, I went to the Australian guy once, he was such a weirdo. Like, you don't want that reputation in Australia. How's so he a weirdo? If you act like a weirdo, like you could, you know just be saying some weird stuff when you're drunk or just like touching people randomly. You don't want to have that reputation as a, on Australians, I guess. So you have to be very careful how you act and how you kind of behave at all times. I'm not saying I do any of that stuff, but like... <laughs> you have to stop yourself your yeah. from touching people? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> what would be your advice for people listening to this that are still in uni and they're wanting to do exchange? Let's say hypothetically when COVID ends... Well, firstly, good luck if you can make it out of the country. <laughs> Secondly, is make sure you have your finances in order before you go. You have a way to pay for your time abroad and you're not going to end up, you know, broke when you return like as midway well. midway of the trip as or well. Or midway, yeah. Make sure you have a, you have a plan for after your exchange. Um, I understand that probably the highlight of your whole entire decade. It's very hard to top something like that in your entire life. But, you know, each decade has its moments and that was the top moment of the decade and understand that is every moment should be appreciated for what it is. Oh, motivational quotes. Motivational quotes, yes. <laughs> Furthermore, people you meet on exchange, you probably meet them for like six months. They'll be your best mates for six months. After that, they're kind of strangers, strangers again. But it doesn't mean you can't not be friends. Strangers again, it's a reference to Wong Fu Productions. Wong Fu for Life. <laughs> One of their top videos on YouTube. Or 18 million hits. Something like that. Oh my God. You remember that as well? I've seen it recently. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, go on. Yeah. Yeah. Make sure you have an exit plan afterwards as well. So you know what you're going to do after your exchange and make sure you have ways to incorporate that in a professional manner, whether that be making skills on how to talk to people, how to communicate, how to open yourself up to people and just being able to use that as a positive experience and make the most of your time. They are my main tips for going overseas now. And... You had a job before you went on exchange, right? Correct. I so, worked, yeah. Uh, sorry, where were you working? I worked at this place called Mport, a technology startup. So I worked there full time for about six, seven months. So they couldn't hold the job, obviously, for six months. So when you came back, they didn't. I was, I was actually fired before I left for exchange. I was made redundant. <laughs> oh, okay, fired just sounded like you did something. No, they. I was let go because they lost funding because startup life. But then I came back and they hired me again. Um, as a contracted basis. Did you get a payout at least when you got redundant? No, because it's less than six months or six, six and a half months I was there for. Payouts after a year. Oh, unlucky. Yeah, it's okay. I was 
18, 19 at the time. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah, so you think having a job lined up after you come back is a good idea? I used to talk to your, talk to your employer about it as well. So you're not coming back to absolutely nothing, relying off your parents again. Or Centrelink. Centrelink as well, yeah. Speaking of, look at your Centrelink options when you're overseas. I, for one, missed all Centrelink options, even though I was legible. Free Could've, money. Yeah, $600 every week, I think it was. Every week? No way. Every week or something super high for you and your own, essentially. You're doing a Australian course, living on your own. Your Wait, own. this is while you're overseas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought they don't do that if you're overseas. If, well, that's if you're traveling. If you're traveling, yes. But the thing is, because you're doing university subject overseas, you're technically still doing Australian university, but oh. living on your own, not with your parents anymore. So you're now eligible for the full Centrelink benefit, which I don't know get because I'm stupid. My God, that would have helped a lot. Yeah, would have actually helped so much. But yeah, so have an exit plan and just know what you have to go afterwards. We want to go with your life and use an opportunity to understand more about culture and more about people and one more thing don't be scared to post on instagram like i was why were you scared to post on insta you have ideas people are kind of flexing their life on you on instagram it's like look how good my life is no fuck it no i had that yet i'm like that now fuck it but at the time i was very conscious about when i'm posting instagram because it's like my life is amazing i think you only have like two posts right from exchange yeah three three posts you put stuff in your story uh, Snapchat at the time. Snapchat. Snapchat was still a thing back in 2017. It's still a thing now. Maybe just your friend circle that's very much alive. I still use it here and there, but can't say I have any streaks my friends anymore. No, I've never the, never been a fan of streaks on Snapchat. It's a bit silly. Oh, yeah. My entire personality is gone now. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so for the people that also want to do exchange how would you get them to pick the right country? Okay, firstly, look at your age. If you're under 21, I would avoid America at all costs because you can't drink or partake in culture over there. You can, but it's all illegal and you don't really caught any legal issues when you're overseas. Secondly, look at where they speak English or you, you, you know the language decently well. If you can learn French, learn French and go France, but no point learning French and going to Germany, you know. Um, to be familiar with language, follow that. So they look at the university, the caliber of the university and the lecturers, um, think how important that is. So if they're good lecturers you've heard about or good courses, you know, uh, they teach, chase that, chase that dream. Um, and fourthly, be look at location. Can you get around easily from there? If you're taking more, That's than, good idea. more than an hour to get from place to place, just your nearest airport, it's a bit of a pain to get around. It's basically us just living in the West. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I don't know too far from the airport here. It's about an hour. Yeah. Yeah. And also look at your costs as well. That's the final point I would say. Make sure your budget can handle a city that's expensive. So if you're going to London, for example, make sure you have extra budget for London. If you're going to Czech Republic, that's a cheaper city, then feel free. It's, it's bloody cheap to get around there. On your other point, you said learn the language before you go. Did you learn Dutch? Nine. Isn't that German? <laughs> They're three similar languages, but no, I learned no Dutch. Because uh, there's all everyone spoke English there, fine. But that was still an issue in terms of people who weren't educated. They only kind of spoke Dutch. So mm-hmm. ta- Uber drivers, taxi drivers, people working in the streets. You're calling them uneducated? Yeah. Shit, I don't think you could say that, man. <laughs> people who don't work in hospitality. Sorry. That's more um, PC way to say it. Yep. Yep. Uh, Before you get shut down. <laughs> 
All right, let's thank Gotham for coming in today on this episode on Exchange to Amsterdam. If you have any questions, give us an email at riceandmikespodcast at gmail.com. Gotham, do you have anything you want to plug before we sign off? Yep, my YouTube channel, Creatures of the Sesh. If you give that a follow, be appreciated. Do you actually have a YouTube channel called that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds like what I think it is. Creatures of the Sesh. Most of the videos have been copyright striked for music. Isn't this just... Oh, okay. I thought it was just going to be about like you filming people that are like munted. Unfortunately not. It's mainly myself, but I took those videos down for career purposes. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thanks for joining me today, Gotham. And thank you everyone for listening on this episode of the podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Bye. Bye.